The following is a hoop ball presentation. me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. There's a hoop ball presentation, so check out hoop ball on Twitter at hoop ball tweets online hoop ball.com. NBA season starts in five weeks, y'all. Yep, I'll repeat one more time. NBA season starts in five weeks. Fantasy basketball is already getting ready to kick off. Hoop ball is where you want to be in terms of resources, our draft guide, fantasy leagues. You want to get started on a free one, want to do one for cash, all of it's there. Hoop ball, once again. Hoop ball on Twitter at hoop ball tweets on Twitter hoop dash ball.com. All right, y'all. We are talking WNBA. Listen, the playoffs are coming rapidly over there, and I'm happy whenever I get the chance to talk about WNBA with anyone who is just really in depth in this amazing league. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm like, I, I definitely consider myself more than a casual, but I would not even presume myself to be the kind of person thinking, oh. Uh, let me just give you the ins and outs of everything that's going on in the league. And, you know, for that, I bring in folks who know that stuff. And I have a good friend, colleague, and WNBA expert kind of checks off all the boxes. Uh, Bailey Caldwell, you can follow him on Twitter at Sir underscore Richmond 20. Uh, again, one more time, Sir underscore Richmond 20. Uh, he writes for the lead, the Grizzly, WNBA lead. His fingers are in a lot of places here. He is host of With the W on the Halftime app. So all of that to be said, Bailey, how you doing, man? Doing all right. Uh, I'm glad to be talking to you again. It's been a while since we spoke about, you know, sports. We did. Yes, sir. I missed it. Sportscaster and locker room and all these things. Oh, it's, my it's been gosh. A while. Sportscaster. Shout out to that. Yeah, that was that was a while ago. Those were cool, cool sessions. I We opted to go the audio-based route and kind of lost that vis- visual mm-hmm. level to it. But those are fun. I mean, those are really it's, – it's different. And, and the, the thing about these – podcast style shows that the this uh environment is moving so quickly with audio strides and video strides and people combining all of them together it's just it's incredible we actually have some new stuff coming at the lead soon in regards to our audio based coverage so looking forward to that you know that tickles my fancy (laughs) that's cool man that's what's up yeah so i'm i'm excited about that we've been over on grizzly we've been dropping this little promotion style thing to get people interested. And then I think this week is when it's going to go live. So we're, we're, we're moving in the right direction over there. Should be a lot, dude, should be a lot of fun. Definitely looking forward to kind of seeing where that goes and, and where your personal work goes, man. Cause you stay after it. Your grind is it's, it's, it's viewed from here. Definitely. When you have a fan from afar on this end for sure. Um, but yeah, man, let's, let's talk to the WNBA and, and kind of, taking stock of where they're at right now. Um, I was fortunate to have on um, Miguel Hildago last week, and we talked about the 25th anniversary, you know, um, kind of our favorite players from that time, and, and took some stock of the teams as we're getting closer to the playoffs. And now, I mean, we have teams locking in, team solidifying position, and, I mean, it's a lot of fun in terms of 
really catching these playoff races, but it's been all over the place. So I kind of want to ask you about your recap up to this point of the WNBA season because it's it's been a lot. It's definitely been a lot. Yeah, there's been a lot going on. You've got and, – and when I say a lot, sometimes people just see that as – People just see that kind of as a lot of action. Obviously, that's kind of a given. You're going to have a lot going on. But no, this this year has had a lot of storylines. And a lot of them have kind of, for whatever reason, gone under the radar, I presume, because of the W25 being the emphasis. But every team, it seems like every team has had some sort of big storyline. If you look at Atlanta, they were probably the forefront with the Kennedy Carter suspension, the coaching changes some injuries, Cheyenne Parker's pregnancy, and that really kind of dampered their start. If you look at Chicago, they added Candace Parker, didn't quite get off to the start they wanted to, still haven't quite found that rhythm. We'll get more into them. Connecticut was going to be without Alyssa Thompson, or not Alyssa Thomas, pardon me. Please edit that out. Alyssa Thomas. Going to be without Alyssa Thomas, and that was a big issue for them, but they have really answered back. They also had the Kurt Miller, Liz Cambage incident early on. Dallas had a lot of questions as the youngest team in the league, where their direction was going to be. Are they going to compete for a playoff spot? Are they going to focus on development? They've seemingly tried to do both. Hasn't gone too well. We'll get more to them later as well. Indiana was just kind of like, show us something. They made a move to take Kaiser Gondersick fourth overall, caught the league off guard. And now she's not even with the team, didn't play a whole lot. A lot of question marks there. Vegas was building off their finals appearance in Asia Wilson. L.A. had to retool after losing two of their franchise stars. Minnesota was expected to be a contender again with their big free agency. New York had a big free agency. Phoenix brings back their big three. Seattle had to defend their title without Alicia Clark and Natasha Howard, two of their biggest keys. And then Washington added Tina Charles, didn't play last year, but she was back this year. Elena Deladon was expected to be back at some point, but their health has not been what it is. That's been a running, running storyline. Lots of storylines around all season underneath the W25 overhanging everyone. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a lot of these teams that were really gearing up for, you know, big runs have been sort of disappointed. Um, talking about teams right now that are, you know, top of, top of the, their respective comp of the conference. And I just... I guess my question for you is, what's the biggest surprise you had? For example, you mentioned Minnesota. I thought that Minnesota made some moves. I mean, um, the made some moves that were interesting, for sure. Um, I liked what the Vegas Aces did coming back. And, you know, you're, you're finally getting um, Kelsey Plum after being gone all season. Um, you're getting Liz Cambage. You know, you missed her last year. How they would look. And then, of course, uh, Angel McCotry goes down. Like, you've had some different teams that, like you said, expectations have been different from the reality of the situation, whether that be due to the team, if it's whether that's in the team's control or not. And so what were the biggest surprises to you uh, so far of, of this season? Some of the biggest surprises so far, the Liberty's hot start was a big surprise, and they've really fallen off since then, but they started very hot. And unfortunately, I think that shifted how most people view that team. They made it think they were something that they weren't. They were without Natasha Howard, and they were still winning games in a really high-tempo run-and-gun system that was working at the time, and then it was really shut down, and they have not been able to kind of gather themselves since then. And I think it changed people's expectations to the point where now they get a bad rap for being, I think, more so what they were actually going to be 
throughout the whole season. On top of that, you look at Dallas, like I mentioned, I think they've had a lot of interesting storylines, potentially, especially their rotations and Vicky Johnson's choice. I think one of the biggest surprises on that team was her coming out and saying that Alicia Gray didn't really know how to play basketball after playing in 3v3, which really had nothing to do with anything. And then just her rotation choices all year, not seeing much of Charlie or a walk after picking them top two. And Chelsea Dungey, who was also a top five pick. There's just a lot of things. Those were surprises to me too. But in terms of the contenders, to me, the biggest surprise has been the Chicago Sky, and not necessarily in a good way. Yeah, they're, I agree. They're, locked, they're locked into the succeed. You add Candace Parker. Obviously, she goes down early, but even without her, they're still a very deep, talented team, and they just haven't been able to put it together. We talked earlier in the Slack chat about it seems like they're a different team night in, night out. You never get the same thing. They don't have a consistency, and they have incredible talent and depth, but they just they don't have an identity. One, one, one quarter, they're super, super deliberate. Next quarter, they're super sloppy. And they can win both styles because they're super athletic with Diamond Shields and Kalia Copper and Courtney Vandersloot can push the pace. Mm-hmm. But then also at the same time, Candace Parker, Courtney Vandersloot can slow it down and pick you apart, but they don't have that balance of an identity yet. They're, they're too hit or miss with that. And so I think that to me has been the biggest surprise of the year honestly that was the one they caught me off guard I saw them as a top four team and they're currently sixth which is dead center wow yeah that's middle of the pack I was gonna say let, let's kind of go into some of these teams um we can kind of start I have it split by just contenders and then the rest um because I think that some of the teams toward the bottom we don't have to spend too much time talking about but like you would consider the Chicago Sky contender right I have them as a mid-tier team because okay. They, it's like I said, one night they'll look like a contender and one night they won't. And it, to me, you can't be that streaky and win a title outright. I have them and your Phoenix Mercury listed as those mid-tier players, teams, pardon me. So for Chicago, the biggest question marks for me are obviously Candace Parker's health. And I, I do think early on some of her issues would that were how she was being utilized. I think it took her a second to like settle in. And then it took James Wade a second to figure out how to best use her because she's very, very talented across the board in a lot of areas that not every player can duplicate and adding a player like that to a team that has had the same core for a while. It's it's elevate you, but it's going to be a head scratcher. And I expected some growing pains early. And then when she went down and missed eight games, or however many games, pardon me. Yeah, eight games. They get one and seven. Uh-huh. Yeah, missed eight games. And then she comes back. You don't really have time to build that chemistry. And then I expected them to come out of the break better than they went in, but they didn't. And to me, that's left me questioning James Wade a bit more than I have in the past. Because to me, a lot of it looks it a lot of it falls on him as a coach. It it just is what it is. That because that to me the players look like they want to play and they come out and play, but it seems like a lot of it comes on, on his shoulders. And I hate to question him because he's got a good track record, but I can't help but do it. You're 15 and 15. We're one of the deepest talented rosters in the, in the whole association. So I look at him and then I also think that for them to be a contender, they've got to figure out what diamond shields is going to be. 
for yes. this team because she's a very talented player as well and can really she could shift a game and a series for you either way. And she's been coming off the bench as of late and has had kind of mixed results. She's had like two or three great games and one or two bad games. It's only been a short, short experiment for Allie Quigley to be a starter. But I think she's probably their X factor in terms of personnel going into a playoff run. And what is her role exactly? I feel like she's been coming off the bench for most of this, right? Well, she was starting for most of the year. And then, like I said, about maybe five, six games ago, they moved Allie Quigley into the starting lineup because she was on fire, yeah. like 27 points off the bench one night. And that was kind of a a peak of a, a run where she was scoring like crazy and just playing great ball. She's a veteran. And she does a lot more than just shoot. People don't really realize that. But she's the type of player that will put up 18 points, seven rebounds, four assists, while also hitting big shots and a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. But – and bringing her, and she's a little more consistent. Like I said, I think Diamond str- really struggled when Candace went down because it kind of altered her role. We've seen her be kind of the forefront of a team. Yeah, the slash main initiator yeah. type. Yeah, and we've also seen her kind of be the second, third option. It, it kind of moves her around a bit, and I think, I think that altered her approach, and her impact was kind of dampered by that. Yeah, you're right. It, it feels like they have all the weapons, but just like you said, the continuity, the cohesiveness just isn't there. Um, looking at Candace Parker, she's had uh, – how would you describe the year that she's had? I, I saw the last couple of games that she had some mini offensive explosions, but, like, based off the way I heard the commentating team, I don't think that's been a given. Is that correct to say? Yeah, by her own very high standards, it's been a letdown of a year. But, again, she struggled with ankle injuries a couple of times and then just trying to really figure out her place on this team, I think it's still a big question. And of course, when you bring a top tier talent back to their hometown, you're going to have expectations and you're already coming to a good team. And I'm not saying Candace has struggled with that, but I do think bringing that to the team has, you know, affected some of the other players on the team. And so it's been an interesting fit, but when she's been healthy, the last few games that I've watched, including earlier today, they just got through playing. She's been moving well. She's been looking kind of young and spry, and I think that's a great sign. But, again, I think there's still a lot of questions around her, and she's not going to have the same level of impact that she once had. I mean, you can watch her and see that she's – even by me saying she's moving well, it's still not what it once was. But, I mean, she's 35, has played a lot of minutes, has, has had a lot of various injuries. And so that that is going to happen. That's just that's just what it is. It's a natural progression. Father Time's undefeated, as you always hear in sports. And you can kind of start to see it, but she's still 6'5", able to pass the ball, able to get it up and down in transition and make plays and make impacts that not other many other players can make. And so it hasn't been what you may have expected if you hear the name Candace Parker, but it's still very, very impactful when she's – healthy and, and playing at any level. Yes, yes. And then and, and she's just that good. That's all. Surefire Hall of Famer. And yeah, expectations probably should have been muted um, just because, I mean, she's at age 35 and, you know, part where players, you know, at, at least t- kind of slow down. I think you're right. The, the impact of her being on a team that maybe had a different identity and now it's like trying to assimilate her into the roster, even though she is kind of a 
easy, easy fit. I think the name Cachet and just knowing it's Tanis Parker may have thrown some off their off their zone a little bit. But um, what are the teams? What's the next team you kind of want to get in, go into? I'm giving you the open canvas here. Yeah, so I mean, we're already in the mid tier, and like I said, even though they've won, they were on a ten game win streak until yesterday. I still have Phoenix in that mid tier because they have a few questions that to me would dampen them in a playoff run. Specifically, Diana Taurasi's health. She's had an ankle injury right now, which they say she's out for precautionary reasons, but you never know. You really never know. She's one of the oldest players in the league, but a lot of minutes and just is what it is. I, I can't help but question that. Yeah. Their, their bench is, I, I think, if I had to put it from teams in the playoffs, is probably the second most questionable bench. I agree. Maybe the third. The bench has a lot of energy. I'll give them that. And Bria Hartley's return brings back a little more skill to it. And I'm not saying they have any bad players, but it's a little inconsistent. I mean, Shea Petty has stepped up and played really well in this role the last couple of games. So that's a good sign. And like I said, Hartley's return from, and she's looked great in her return. She's moving well. She doesn't look hesitant. The mental part doesn't seem to be, you know, kind of hesitant like you see a lot of players return. Yeah. But outside of that, they don't really have, to me, a lot of depth to go with against someone like a, a Vegas or Minnesota. And, of course, that's not a common comparison. I would say those are the two deepest teams. But it's still a question mark that I can't put them into that elite category. And then Kia Nurse has been playing really well lately, but she wasn't playing well before. So I'm, I'm curious to see if she can maintain that consistency going forward. And if she can, I think that is huge for them and could help them vault into that next category. But that those are the, the three question marks for me with Phoenix. Yeah, she, she definitely um, – and we're referring to Kia Nurse specifically. I don't think it's made the impact I thought she would come in from New York. Yeah, and it's been on both sides of the ball. She hasn't quite been the defender you want to see, and, and her, her offense has been very inconsistent. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. Yeah. Or, you know, like I said, the injuries may be forcing her into a bigger role. But she, I thought she would be, you know, a really quality starter for them. Not in the sense where she would be a three, four, third option, per se, of course, or maybe even a fourth option. But being a shooter, a three and D type player was kind of what I expected. And I haven't seen that from her this year. And, and lately it's been better. But I still got to see it, you know to finish the season off and go into the playoff strong. No, 100%. That body of work has to be there, you know, and, and, and so far it really hasn't. And you're right. I think that I love – I mean, obviously I'm in Phoenix, so I got to say this, but, like, I, I really do, though. Like, love the Phoenix Mercury. I'm actually going to be attending a game in person um, next week. Um, think one? that the, Huh? Um, one? Should we – is it the Seattle one? No. Um, all I know is by the date, so now I'm on the spot, darn it. Um, I'm fine though because I have my ticket stuff still. They've got two left, so and they're both going to be. Oh no, it's six. the aces, the aces. That'll be a good one. Yeah, I took the so it's not next. It's, yeah, I took the very last one. I took on a Sunday. I took because I wanted to see. Yes, and I figured that the yes. There we go. I'm I'm really pumped about that one. I was sitting there going. I went back and forth between the storm and the aces, but I have um, I have, I have three tickets, so I'm getting me and two of my friends were going to check it out, and um, we usually go to one every year. Um, obviously not last year, but. And the year before that was a storm game. No, the year before that was a storm game and a New York Liberty game because that was when um and we're gonna, we might as well get to talking about the 
the Washington Mystics um, here in a bit. But what I remember most about that game one was just how good I love that backcourt of um, – and she's gone now, but um, between – well, one's on um, – Brianna – oh, my goodness. Now I can't remember the name. Well, first off, for the, for the Mystics, um, the – what is her name? I, I, this is the one part, of course, where I need to end this tremendously. Um, <laughs> Leilani Mitchell. Okay. I, I felt that she was, especially with the Merc, she's a good three-point shooter in general. So there's nothing there I'm saying that is wrong. But especially with um, her as a member of the Phoenix Mercury, who was just bombing threes that day, just relentlessly. I remember that. And then the other thing about the Phoenix Mercury on, on that team as well, besides um, Dewana Bonner going off, was Breonna January. That was the backcourt I was mentioning. So two years ago, it was Breonna January and um, Dewana Bonner and of course Alani Mitchell and all I remember was they were just as a team they were being owned in the post by one Tina Charles <laughs> and I loved every minute and like they really got like it was you know, New York Liberty were not a very good team um, during that time um, Tina Charles had I mean I'm putting this off of memory so it's probably off but like she had something like 14 or 16 points in the first quarter like she was like the offense in the post give her the ball she was going to make stuff happen and then Fortunately, um, like Kia Nurse was playing, I don't think she was playing very well um, in that game. But the Mercury able to, um, you know, make adjustments at halftime. I think she scored less than ten points the rest of the way, and they won. But going from that to the Wiz, to the Mystics, um, with again Lilani Mitchell and, and Tina Charles on the squad, but also uh, you've had a low scoring season from Natasha Cloud, who's been the point guard for the squad. Um, you've had. Um, Elena Deladon with injury concerns. I mean, this entire team's been interesting. Uh, what is your, your outlook on them and, and, and kind of where they are? Even though everything we talked about with them being hurt, them being missing players, they're still a scary team. They're not a team you want to face in a one-game ELM, but you're going to have to. Tana Charles today dropped 31 and 10 with five assists on the sky. Oh, who? Yeah, and she's added the three-point range. She had four threes today. She's yeah. added that, which just takes it to another level. Natasha, Natasha Cloud is just really so sound and so impactful, both not even on the stat sheet always, but she can light up the stat sheet. 16, 8, and 6 today. Like, that's an incredible stat line. And then Shatori Walker-Kembro today yeah. put up a career-high six assists. Whoa. So – that's kind of your new big three right now for today and today yeah. only because they're missing Elena Deladon, who has played two and a half games this year. Looked good in those two and a half games mm-hmm. as well, but obviously still health is a question mark for her. Yeah. Maisha Hines-Allen has a non-COVID illness, and I have not seen much of any sort of report on her return, but that's obviously something to keep an eye on. But – Presumably, if they get a one-game, you know, playoff series, she'll be back. And then you've got Ariel Atkins, who's away for personal reasons, had a death in the family. I think I remember reading that she'll be back next game or into the game. She'll be back before the end of the year. They've got two more games left against the Liberty and then against the Lynx down the stretch. But for them, health is the biggest key. They've got the talent. They've got a championship coach. And – 
they've got good chemistry. That was one of the things that I noticed when EDD was playing was that you add in uh, one of the best players in the world, if, if not the best when she's healthy. We talked about that a lot uh, amongst ourselves on our, our show. You know, who's better, who's, who's more unguardable, EDD or John Quill Jones? And that's a, that, that's a legitimate discussion to have. But we can we can go on about that anytime. But you know when she's when she's healthy, she's top three easily guaranteed. And they added a player of her caliber seamlessly. Yeah, it, there was never any sort of issues with the continuity chemistry, which is which is scary because if this nerve flare up, she's dealing with the nerve flare up, and if that was to settle down or you know they find a way to neutralize that for a potential playoff push. That is very scary, especially for the likes of those one game rounds. They could they could send someone home early that shouldn't be home early, or wouldn't expect to be home early. I'll say it that way. I feel you. They they, they have the upset um, gene in them. Yes, they are. They are a team built to upset someone. Okay, I like this, and I think, like you said, there's potential kind of there. Um, I love the addition of that three ball to Tina Charles. It's a lot more versatility to an already deadly offensive attack. And she's been gobbling rebounds like there ain't no tomorrow as well. Yeah. Definitely. Um, let's go to Las Vegas Aces. Okay. Um, kind of what is your take on them? Obviously, you know, they had the rating. M- they still do until there's a different one. Uh, rating MVP, um, Asia Wilson. You have, of course, Kelsey Plum's return. Um, the I- the injury to Angel McCutcheon for the year really did um, make an impact. But And I guess De'Erica Hambly's also been injured at points. But um, – you still have Liz Campage for the most Liz Campage, excuse me, for the most part, up until of course, um, just recent, um, with with COVID protocol. So, what is your take on this team? How they played? Bill Lambier, give me give me the four one one on the on the Las Vegas Aces. Yeah, the Aces, they're they're dominant on both sides of the ball. They they have one of the better defenses and one of the better offenses in the league. They're incredibly deep. I would say they're probably the deepest team out there I, I would give them that they yeah. you know when you can bring a score of Kelsey Plum's caliber and a big guard of uh dear Camby's caliber who can impact the game in so many ways off your bench while starting I would say a top three point guard in Chelsea Gray one of the best players of all in general in Asia Wilson I, I think most people would slot her at third second or third this year and so you have that, and then obviously you have Liz, who I personally don't think we'll see into the playoffs just because she'll be in her conditioning back and her rhythm back and all these sorts of things. But she she is uh, recovered and COVID-free from what I saw on her Instagram a few days ago. But you have a, a six-foot-eight, very skilled, six-foot-eight, very impactful, six-foot-eight player, which in this league size is still, you know, still runs things. It is, is what it is but they also have size that's talented. But then you also have, they added Kia Stokes, who has done really well in her role. And then, you know, you look at someone like Raquana Williams who can light it up at any moment. has been a really great defender for them. They're just, they're so exceptionally deep. To me, the only thing that could stop them, and this has been a hot take for most of the year, but at the end of the day, I still truly believe, and we haven't had anything to see this. It's just complete theory, but there have been times where it seems limited is Bill Lambeer. Sometimes, sometimes to me, the way they play is 
you know, kind of like a broken record or bang your head into a wall or whatever. Like it's, I don't know how they – sometimes they – Like just three yards in a cloud of dust type? Yeah, they seem really redundant at times. And on nights, like when Asia isn't hitting those mid-range shots or if she gets in foul trouble, per se, you know, there, there are different things that, to me, his system doesn't plan for that are very – I don't want to say very likely, but our, our basketball scenarios run into. And I think they don't shoot a lot of threes and haven't needed to, but in the playoffs, they may very well need to. And that's, you know, an adjustment that he may have to make. And it, it's not just this year. That's a historical trend. They've been the fewest in three points percentage or three point shots over the last three seasons, I believe. Yeah. Even when they had weapons like Kelly McBride. Yeah. I mean, she's a great shooter. I, people talk about her a lot on Twitter, her, and we can talk about her once we transition to Minnesota. But, yeah, I mean, she's, she's a shooter, if nothing else. Yeah. And, and you know, Kelsey Plum is a shooter. She's a scorer. And Raquana Williams is a shooter. She's a scorer. But even, to me, it's just that that's the one question mark for me is, is him. They've got everything else you need, and if they can utilize it, and he can utilize. I mean, his rotations are good. He's a great players coach. They all love him. But I just I feel like sometimes his approach to the game is a little outdated. Just a little bit. But 100% they have, agree. Huh? Lisa? I was gonna say they have that that size and skill talent that and, and some nights can overcome even their own coaches' shortcomings. That just is what it is. And you'll see that a few times in the playoffs for sure. For sure, for sure. Do you see them as uh, a favorite or, or more of a contending type team? I have no reason to believe they won't make another finals run. I think I would see them second to only Connecticut right now. But I, if I recall correctly in our preseason predictions, I did pick the Aces to win it all. And I think that's still a very real possibility. Okay. All right. So where do you want to go here from? Um, we can either go Connecticut or Minnesota with the Kelly McBride bridge. We'll bridge there. We'll bridge there because the, the sun, the sun are a different animal. I would say they are kind of standalone. Yeah, they're in their own tier. Yeah. So All right, let, let's talk about Minnesota. Yeah, they've been um an interesting team. I think that uh, they definitely try to diversify a little bit, bring in some more outside shooting. Um, coming up from last season, um, uh, Cheryl Reeve, you know, making improvements on the squad bringing in free agents like Ariel Powers, like Kayla McBride, um, you know, looking at the internal uh, development uh, like uh, of players of uh, Fisha Collier's um, kind of caliber. But, but where do you kind of take note of what they did and where they are? Yeah, so Minnesota got off to a rough start, started 0 for 4, and that was without McBride uh, with like one game of fee coming right back into it. And so they really had to find themselves and, I can't talk enough about how the signing of Glacia Clarendon way back when, even on those hardships in those seven days, really changed the entire season. That's that, that's the first point I have to make. I cannot praise Glacia Clarendon enough for what they brought to the team in terms of, you know, just veteran stability and kind of veteran guys, like just how sneaky good Glacia Clarendon is and, you don't you didn't really get the chance to see it in New York because New York went a different direction. That happens. But yeah. New York, New York could have used Lacey Clarendon. Oh, 100 percent. Absolutely. They need some consistency and some 
some veteran, you know, tutelage, but that was their choice to make. And they made it and the Lynx capitalized on it and have been capitalizing on it ever since. And so, you know, I think that is a great sign for the Lynx that they found that stabilizing force at the point guard spot because they were starting aerial powers. Crystal Dangerfield hasn't been what we may have wanted to see from her this year. And they didn't really have anyone else. They didn't have anyone else at that position. But now, as of late, Lay's been out from dealing with a foot injury, was in a walking boot. I'm not sure what the timeline on their return is. Um, But you want to see them get back at least in the second round. I mean, the the Lynx are still talented enough to make it through a one game almost, you know, unless it's one of those off nights, which happens. But I don't think that will happen for them. But you'll want to see them back before they make that that deep run. Yeah, and they're, they're ones that, they're they're a team that I'm most definitely interested in, just in terms of how they continue to develop because they have a nice mix of you know vets of stuff to prove as well as young players who are trying to find their way. You know, yes, yes, they are they're set up to compete now and for the next few years. Exactly, really great job by Cheryl Reeve as coach GM, and I I, I said it before before she got hurt, Renata Davis when she returns is going to be like the perfect Cheryl Reeve player. And I won't go into that because we haven't seen her play, but the next year when she returns, that's a player to watch. I had her as my rookie of the year at the draft night and in the W I'm not there. Their uh, requirements are a little different. I don't know if she'll be, I think she'll still be eligible next year. So I'm not sure next year is going to be a tougher class, but I still think if that's her technical rookie year, she could be in the running for it. Again, I'm not familiar with the rules. I know Sabrina wasn't eligible this year because she played last year. I think it's literally like one minute or zero. But, but yeah, I, I think they're, she's done a good job of positioning them to play out Sylvia Fowles' next few years, however many she's got left. Yeah, she's near 14 now, huh? Yeah, you know, she's only got – and she's looked great. That's one of the storylines I highlighted, you know, on my notes was she's continued to be very dominant. I have her as defensive player of the year. She put up 20 and 29, making history still now, and has been the backbone for that team consistently and remains incredibly underrated to me. So I, I think, you know, she's still good to, com- to compete, but you always have to question that longevity, making deep runs, How's that affected her? She's coming off an injury last year, has been healthy this year. Hopefully that stayed the same. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I said earlier, Father Time is undefeated. And it's, Unfortunately so. Yeah, it's going to come down to that. But then, you know, you talk about Ariel Powers these last few games. She's found her stride. Been playing really exceptional ball on both sides. She's the type of player who's always going to give you 100%. But when that production on the stat sheet can match that energy, You've got a really dangerous player, a, a game-altering player, and that's what she's kind of settled into. And then Kayla McBride post-break has been lights out, mm-hmm. really found her her stroke. It took her a second, but she has her stride now, right? Yeah, she's been playing really well. She, she's been playing some good two-way ball as well. I think that's some – they have a lot of really, really talented defenders, like really, really talented, switchable – defenders, versatile defenders. My biggest question for them, I, I put a question for each team. My biggest question for them is what can the Fisa Collar become the one? Can she become their one sole option? Her offensive game is still developing, particularly as a shooter. It's looked a little bit better. Her defense 
I think gets a little underrated, but also overrated at the same time. She's very versatile, can defend across the board, very strong, very smart defender, kind of like a, the quote-unquote Swiss Army knife is the kind of cliche quote. But yeah, she, really, yeah, she really is that, though. But I think, you know, in the playoffs, she's got to show me that, okay, this is going to be my team. It may not be my team right now because Silla's still here, but this is going to be my team. I think that's their biggest question mark you know, going forward for them this year. Yeah, basically, like, what is their transition plan? Yes. If they have. No, I totally understand that. Um, and that's going to be one of the monitor moving forward, like you said. But taking the kind of range from there on to our, our next team, um, really, I kind of want to get to the one that's in a tier of their own before we kind of group some of these other ones together. Uh, let's talk about the Connecticut Sun. They've been, and they are, something else. <laughs> like, as a squad, top down, this is without having – um, Jasmine, uh, Jasmine, Alyssa Thomas. There we go. I said that right. Yeah. <laughs> like, here you go. I'm like, please don't let me mess up on that one. But like, they've been really just a, a, a multifaceted team. I don't think that's, that's, I don't think I'm exaggerating saying that. Kind of describe their impact, how well they've played, where you have the best contenders. Just give me the lowdown on them entirely. Yeah. Like I said, they're in a, in a tier of their own because they are so dominant on both sides of the ball. They have the best point difference in the league. They give up the fewest points in the league by far. They don't score that many points by comparison, but they're only giving up 70 points per game. And by comparison, the next highest team is at 77.9. Wow. That is a staunch difference. They are elite defensively. They are huge, but so skilled. You've got John Cole Jones, who is, like I said earlier, I think the biggest mismatch in the league right now. And she is a player that I've even seen her games, you know, get out to fans that aren't necessarily W fans, but just basketball fans and gets a lot of Kevin Durant comparisons. I don't usually do cross league, but in terms of the W growing, I, I do think that's a way to to grow it. And, and, and you can yeah. see it. You know, you watch the NBA just as much as I do. Like, she moves a lot like a Kevin Durant. That's a generational talent, incredible defender, incredible rebound. Like, she's just on another level and primed to be MVP, I think should be in the defensive player of the year conversation Mm -hmm. and primed to lead her team. But then you look down the roster, you've got Bree Jones, who I think is most improved. And usually she's the one kind of in the trenches battling with everybody, incredibly strong has completely overhauled her body, can move much better than she used to, both in, like, pick-and-roll situations and hedges and switching. That's something that every time I watch their games, I seem to comment on Bree Jones's movement. And I think it's very important for their defensive system. And then Dewana Bonner is the longest player I've ever seen touch a basketball. She's, like, 6'4", like, 145 pounds, but her <laughs> arms go on for days. So with those three, and then you've got two excellent defensive guards and Jasmine Thomas from beyond January, just their, their defense is scary good, but then they can score with the best of them. They don't put up the 89 points. The aces put up, they put up about 79, but that's still like right in the middle of the league. I want to say probably eighth, seventh or eighth, but when you're only giving up 70, you don't have to score that many. They can win on the road. They can win at home. Like, there's literally nothing that I think can really stop them, at least on the starting lineup. They're 
bench, however, is the biggest question mark. It's exceptionally questionable. I, I don't know how else to put it. It's, it's highly questionable, if you will. <laughs> highly questionable, uh, the Connecticut Sun? Yes, yeah, because they have a lot of talented players who are going to come in and play hard, and they're good defensive players. But they, the, the box scores and the production often don't really show much. They don't get a lot of bench scoring. They don't get a lot of, like, offense off the bench. Natisha Heideman started the season really hot. Now is a little more streaky, kind of cooled off. And then from there, you've got players like Kyla Charles who can score and have done so at times, but not necessarily a consistent option. Be a first premier, can do the same. Dijanette Carrington, when she comes in, like they have players that can make an impact on one end, but the other end is, is really questionable. But Kurt Miller has done a good job down this winning stretch. They won 12 in a row, has done a good job of kind of balancing his lineups and implementing a mixture of three starters, two bench, three bench, two star, however, you know, just mixing it up to make sure that the team doesn't have those lulls yeah. in production. And, it, and that really points to their excellent chemistry from top to bottom. They're a well-oiled machine, which is, I know, very cliche, but that's just what it is. They're very well-oiled machine, and to me, they're the team to beat. I think they stand alone as well. I mean, I like these other teams. We, we made a good case for the Aces. You know, the Mercury, we got one more team to kind of cover in this, like, where they might fall here in the Seattle Storm. But I think you look at the Connecticut Sun, and they are, like, head and shoulders above, in spite of their weakness. Like you said, that bench being – not the most reliable. It definitely is something to consider, but um, this team is also not one you really want to contend with too much. So I'm with you there. And I guess that brings us to our last like real team to dive into here, the Seattle Storm. They've been, I mean, these are the fighting champs. They had some some key losses. Um, Natasha Howard being one. Um, and um, they've had they had others as well that have kind of maybe not made themselves known um, immediately. You know, like, oh, you know, looked in the season, there was no reason to kind of go against Seattle to think that they wouldn't be as tough a team as they have been. Unfortunately, you think that maybe on the defensive side of the ball, those losses have kind of reared their ugly head in addition to the normal attrition of a season. Um, at least if you ask me, uh, it was um, Alicia Clark. That was the other person I was thinking of in addition to Natasha Howard that really stand out to me. But please uh, tell me more about just – the Seattle Storm, why they've just been merely meh. Yeah, uh, the Storm have looked very mortal compared to where they've been in the past. And losing Alicia Clark and losing Natasha Howard are two big losses, particularly on the defensive end. But both of them were capable scorers when they needed to be, and they fit the system really well. You still have three top-tier talents in Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd, and Sue Bird. That said, the rest of their depth – has ways that they create an impact, but in terms of shaping up to defend a title, there's a lot of question marks. Mercedes Russell continues to be very underrated in that sense and does a lot of things right, plays the game in a very, very fundamental way and can make an impact. I think she's important. But outside of that, Jordan Canada has, I won't say plateaued as a player, but she's really it's just kind of there sometimes. She plays good defense, and they've used her in that role. But offensively, she hasn't really developed, particularly as a shooter. In that regard, off the bench, they're missing a handful of other players down there. But Ezzy Magbagor, I thought she had a chance to be most improved. When she, and when she's played, she's looked really, really good. She does a lot of sneaky things, very athletic, very tall. But, again, the consistency is kind of, the, you know, the question mark. They've got the Samuelson sisters – 
Carly and Katie Lou. Katie Lou has been their starter, and she she has a sneaky impact. And it's a lot of ways that you don't necessarily see it, but whether it be defensive rotations or timely shots, a lot of those like pure basketball impacts. But like I said, outside of those handful of players, I think their biggest question is their is their depth. And also, as you look at Sue Bird being 40, Brianna Stewart being out with a foot injury, those are, those are, you know, concerns for this team. And while they said Stewie will be back and it's minor, will it be lingering? Will it be something she'll be over? You know, and how will she perform under the stress of a playoff environment? They've also slipped down to the fifth spot in the standings, which is a concern because they're out of the position for that. Double, but I know they're in the third spot, I'm probably, but they could slide down to the fifth spot. My apologies. Their third spot could slide down to fifth if things fall out right. And they've got, you know, a tough, tough slate down the stretch. You also got to look at Noel Quinn, who is a great coach in a great situation. I'm not questioning her abilities, but at the end of the day, it's going to be her first postseason as a head coach. She's been there for the runs as an assistant, but as a head coach, you know, that's something to watch for. I think she'll be fine. I'm not, again, I'm not doubting her, but it's just noteworthy because she picked up the reins in the middle of the season. And I think that's something worth noting as well. I just worry about them getting burnt out. And I worry that we've already seen some of the effects of that down the stretch. And I, 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 I have them just above the mercury in my contenders list because I do think they still are talented. Yeah, I, I think I think they're still talented enough to contend, and they have a track record of contention. But I think they have more questions than any of the other ones at the same time. And that's more than fair, I think. I'm, I, I'm going to agree with you, with you there. I like the Mercury a little bit better, just because I'm a bigger a fan of Brittany Griner, especially um, Skylar Biggins-Smith. Um, yeah. Over the last, you know, since the return of the season, They've just been on a tear. Um, and then, of course, whatever Diana Tarasa gives you, of course, before the injury. But I'm I'm definitely with you there. What do you think about Seattle's bench? Uh, specifically Jordan Canada, who I want to like, and I kind of do, but I just feel like maybe she's not the person I was hoping that she would be. Yeah, and I think that's kind of how I think your perception is correct. She, Like I said, she seems to almost kind of plateaued. And obviously she plays, you know, a lesser role than like a Jewel Lloyd or a Sue Bird. Even Epiphany Prince at times has kind of stepped up above her. But it's just one of those things. She's not a good shooter. You know, she's more of a downhill, but she's small. She's only like five, six. So even that can only get you so far. And I I think, you know, she should improve as a playmaker as well, which is something they would love to see. It's just, she, like I said, it seems almost like she's just kind of become what she is. And that's what she is for, for better or worse. And it leaves, a lot to be desired when you watch her because you can see the potential and you can see the talent. She's quick. She's athletic. And like I said, she's a dog on defense. I'll, I'll give her that. She's a, she's a great, you know, hustle defender and very sound, but just hasn't quite developed the offense that you want to see to really have a little more confidence in her in the playoffs. Because if you're such a one dimensional player in such a crucial role, you know, if she was on a deeper team, if she was on the aces or if she was on the links or if she was, you know, on a, on a team that was a little more deep, you can, you can play around a specialist. Yeah, those both, really of the, both of those teams do, but in, in the storm, in their situation, she's, a, I would say she's a target, you know, if a team in the playoffs can 
end every possession with Jordan Canada shooting a shot, that, that's a win for them. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it's something that just stands out too much, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely noble. And you can see it in every game, just the boss. She's had a few good performances. When she uh, got hurt a few games ago, she was in the middle of a career high, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. One of her best games of the season, she got hurt. And that, that's unfortunate. And that's part of the game. That's what it is. But, you know, when, when we get down to this postseason push, she she's a question mark that could either work strongly in their favor or strongly against them. And for me, I'm expecting to be more against them. Yeah, no, I'm with you as well. It just doesn't seem like it's going to, I don't know. I'm just not maybe high on Seattle. I think that the returns that they got, you know, they remind me very much like that 2011 Dallas Mavericks team, you know, where, and I hate to make again, cross, um, like cross league comparisons, but in the sense of you have a contender, you know, you lose some key pieces that maybe you didn't value as highly as you probably should have that combined with unfortunate injuries and maybe your, your top guys, your top folks regressing just a little bit. And, and you have the makings of a team that's going to make, you know, they're going to be a playoff team, but like, I don't see a repeat of what they did the year before. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And then, like I said, Brandon Stewart is, I'm not going to say she's not a great player because obviously she's a very good player, but I do, I do think in this new role, you've kind of seen areas where she's a little more limited that weren't always on display and could be exposed in a playoff situation by the right team. Mm-hmm. You said it, you said it. like maybe because you had such a well-balanced team, some of those weaknesses were able to be more hidden almost to the point that you didn't even realize they were there. And now with players having to do more, those weaknesses are further exposed. And now you kind of see some holes in the tapestry. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so obviously they'll have another gear. Mm-hmm. All the great teams do, but they are not coming into the playoffs with the momentum that you might have wanted to see from them. That makes sense. And it's unfortunate, but again, it makes for an interesting fighting team, a desperate team, because you're right. They're not going to come in from this favorite position. Absolutely. All right. So just to close out, um, Bailey, I just want to kind of throw these last couple of teams at you and you can kind of talk with, with whatever amount of detail you like to go in, but between the Liberty, the wings, the fever, the dream and the sparks, your own sparks to your heart there. Um, Kind of, well, I mean, obviously they're they're not any of the teams you mentioned for a reason. But like, um, what are your thoughts on them and, and where and where they are both this year and possibly moving into next year? Yeah, so yeah. those uh-huh. those the bottom half teams is what we'll refer to those as because okay. the wings <laughs> the wings have the seventh spot. They locked that in last night, and I think that's good for them. But I also think it's bad for them. We've talked ex- extensively about the wings this year on our leading with the W show and how. They seem to not want to choose a direction. They didn't want to commit one way or the other. There was like some weird playoff expectations, which in the W is a little different, but they also had like seven draft picks last year. They picked one and two, made all these moves to seem like they wanted to gear up for the future at the same time. And they've got the seventh seed but I don't see them as a very threatening seven seed. You may have, you know, Rike has a proven track record from back in college of kind of stepping her game up and she's known as a clutch performer and that's all well and good, but she's also got that reputation of being a black hole at times. And, you know, in a playoff situation, you know, what are we going to see from her and the rotations? Just, I mean, there's so many question marks for the wings 
that all stem back to just their kind of, I don't want to say lack of direction, but insecurity about which direction they're going to choose. And so to me, they, they have a seven seed and that's all well and good, but, and I don't think they're locked into the seven seed, but they've, I think they're pretty much locked into the playoffs, but they don't scare me. And I think I, I've said all year, they should have focused on development. Charlie Collier and one pick definitely needs some time to develop. She, she could hardly see the floor. A walk when she would be on the floor was making an impact. She had a really crazy stat line a few nights ago, five blocks, eight rebounds in like 20 minutes or something like some crazy stat. I don't remember exactly, but I just remember seeing it. And I, I just feel like they really need to iron out a lot of their question marks before they worry about winning games. But that's, again, I'm not their GM. I'm not their decision maker. Like I said, we talked about the Mystics and how scary they are. The Liberty have two games left on their schedule coming in losers of seven straight for them. I really think they just need to see a W in that, in that column, whether they made the playoffs or not, they just need to take home a dub or two against they've got Connecticut and Washington, which is a really tough draw for them. And they have a good thing going for the future. Walt Hopkins, I think has shown really good strides as a coach. I think you can kind of see the team starting to play, a very defined way. I mean, we come out the gate and they're playing like a really up-tempo kind of pace and space style, but particularly on the defensive end down the stretch, even though they've been losing, you can kind of see small developments and small improvements, whether it be hedging or, you know, rotations or whatever, like there's just small things that are, they're doing better. And obviously getting Natasha Howard back will help with that. But I also think they just need to kind of identify or get need an off season to get everybody on the same page. Because Benazia Laney down the stretch kind of burned out. She was getting double, triple teamed, and it was, you know, really not good for her. But she she won most improved. She was a first-team all-defensive caliber player, so we know what she can do. Then Natasha Howard, I don't think, has had the impact they wanted to see on either side quite yet. But I do think, you know, next year that could be – I think next year they could be a playoff lock given another year of development, especially Sabrina being the biggest – most marketed player on their team and the most well-known. I think she's going to go overseas and have a chance to keep developing a healthy offseason, not focusing on recovery, but focusing on getting better. So I think they have a lot of potential. And this year, like I mentioned earlier, I think their expectations got thrown out of whack early on. Uh, in terms of my sparks, obviously the health was a big issue for them for a long stretch of the season, particularly with NECA being out, Janae was out. Krista Tolliver's been out. I, I, I saw something about where they've missed a collective like 90 games of players. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've not been, not been very good. NECA had the longest absence of her career and um, coming out of the break, the last few games, Shanae returned for a game and then went out for a game. And I actually asked Derek Fisher about it in a media session and, and he said that it was really just a plan, but she's now been out for an extended period. So not sure what to make of that. And that really hurts because the team is very small. They don't have a lot of, of size and that's really hurt them. Their defense has been incredible. And I wrote a piece about how they could upset someone in a one game playoff, but it doesn't look like they're going to make that playoff. They've lost six in a row yeah. T- tonight. We've got the storm. So it's kind of tough. A little bit of a slide for sure. I do think next year they could make a better push. I still don't 
see them as being higher than eight, maybe a fluky seven. Um, but because the cap space, the cap situation is not great. And I don't think we have our first round pick this year. So um, kind of kind of bleak. Yeah, I mean, you just had it, I kind of just felt more sad for you. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it, it is what it is. It's just not a great outlook uh, for L.A., but I haven't heard any murmurs of any issues. It seems like the team has taken it kind of in stride. Nia Coffey has been a bright spot. I hope they bring her back. Honor Cox has been a bit of a bright spot. There, there's, there's, there's things to be excited about, you know, but there's also just so many – I don't want to say it's a letdown of the season because I still only predicted them beginning of the year to be eight or nine. Mm-hmm. But just I think it's more so just the way it, it turned out, you know, because there's a lot of what could have been – It'd been one thing if they were healthy and just not winning, you know, you kind of live with that. But when you have so many players missing, you've got those what ifs, it just kind of sits in your mind. Then the bottom two, the dream and fever, the dream were just a train wreck. I, I don't, I don't, I would say their season turned out to be more of a nightmare than a dream. It, it's just one of those things from off the, off the jump, they signed a lot of players. They made a lot of moves, but for, Fans of the W that have been around for a while, you know, they got a lot of big personalities. I was gonna say, uh, you need to, you, we need to elaborate on a certain uh, Atlanta situation. Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of, a lot of unknowns, a lot of hush hush. Their PR, I know their PR has been scrambling all year to make sure players aren't tweeting things, saying things, whatever. Because mm-hmm. they had that incident, Miss Carter. With, yeah, with Kendy Carter, who in her like 16th W game got suspended indefinitely and they haven't said a word about it. And, and, and a lot of W fans have been very upset by that because Kenny Carter is a great player. He's a very good, talented young player. They picked her fourth overall, if I recall correctly. She was on a rookie of the year trajectory last year before she got hurt. Like presumably the face of your franchise. And now you've essentially just kind of ostracized her. They did team pictures the other day. I don't, I don't recall seeing her in any of the photos, like time stuff. Like it's so so weird. It's someone compared it to like if John ja Morant got suspended and no one said anything, no one asked anything, like that type of caliber. Because it's you know it's just such a big question mark. And the only real thing I've seen about it was when it first happened, Spencer Nussbaum at the next kind of had the inside scoop, but even his inside scoop was kind of like limited. I'm not going to fault that for him, but like yeah. it, it was very limited. You know, they're, no, they're not he knew something, but not really that much more than anyone else. Just more. He confirmed there was an altercation. He confirmed a few of the players involved, which didn't really come as a surprise to anyone. W Twitter kind of put two and two together. But since then, it's been radio silence about that. No one has had any news breaks. They haven't let anything slip. It, like just a few days ago, uh, some people on Twitter were talking about it. Like, what's going on? Why is no one talking about Kennedy? Like, where is she? She's kind of been sparingly active on social media since then. But again, like no one, no one's really gotten any advanced details about what happened or when she'll be back or anything like that. And the team hasn't been winning without her. And it's just such a very strange situation and I think you know and, and it's also not really a good look to me and a lot of W fans and as as great of a 
accomplishment as it was. Like Renee Montgomery is their owner and or co-owner, I should say. And she's out here on WNBA Weekly on NBA TV. And she's, you know, being an analyst and she's got these runs she does. And that's all well and good. But like to for some of the fans, some dream fans, they almost see it as kind of like a slap to the face. Like our star player has been suspended by your organization and we can't even get an update. Yeah, like that's that's kind of your that's kind of the gig. That's the name of the that's the name of the deal, isn't it? Yeah, and and again, like those are all great things Renee does, and I want to make sure that we acknowledge that because it's awesome that she's a part owner. She does the Renee's runs on Sundays, which is like an all women hoop session. She does a lot of great stuff, and being an analyst and being in those spaces is really cool. We love to see that. But again, I'm I'm speaking for not only partially myself, but I see it a lot on Dream Fans. Just you know, they take they they take that some type of way. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's something that I guess that strikes them personally. I mean, I've never been around a, a fan a fan a team that has treated that has been like that. You know what I mean? So I can't speak in that way of like how would I feel if you know my team went and pulled their like we have so much confusion and, and controversy kind of swirling around them, but like. What do you look at as their long-term outlook? Their long-term outlook is kind of weird. I I thought they were going to be a pretty solid team this year. They did have a lot of guards, and their talent wasn't – like, I didn't necessarily know how it would fit, but they have talent. Mm-hmm. And now it's just kind of weird. And W salary cap stuff is so hard to find. But I, I think they're going to be – I think they're almost ready to kind of hit the free agency market again. I think they have some expirings. And, you know, they'll kind of look to see what direction they want to go there. But I think really it all all depends on the Kennedy situation, how it's resolved. Because if you bring her back and presume what will be her third year, you might even just call it like her 1.75 year. Because, again, she's only played like 18 games, 16 games. So, you know, how you want to look at that and how how does that bridge get rebuilt or fixed or like I just to me it all all falls on what they do with her more than anything and that to me is the biggest question mark for the dream and going forward how do they how do they move how do they operate so I really I really don't know what to make of it yeah so I'm looking at it right now they've got a ton of players hitting free agency this upcoming season when I say a ton Courtney Williams, Shakina Strickland, Tiffany Hayes, Elizabeth Williams, Odyssey Sims, Mo Billings, Crystal Bradford, Candace Dupree, Blake Dietrich. Wow. And for clarification, Mo Billings is restricted. Mm-hmm. Crystal Bradford is a reserve, and the rest are unrestricted. Really? Yeah. Like wow. There. So they have, yeah, that's a window. I mean, I'm not sure for what though. <laughs> right. And again, like it's, it's going to really, because you've got, you've got to consider also how this looks to other players that they want to come. You know what I mean? You've got to consider how this affects the outlook for the other W players. Like, do I want to go to Atlanta? They had that whole thing. How you answer those questions as an owner, as a coach, you know, how you answer those things really could alter your team for multiple years, like not even just beyond next year. Yeah, like you could have a good long-term kind of outlook. Yeah, so I, I, I think, once again, it kind of comes down to 
not only how they resolve the Kennedy situation internally, mm-hmm. but how they go about disclosing things about it externally. They've got not only a team system and dynamic to figure out on the core and in the locker room, but they've got to, they've got to build, you know, mend some, some bridges externally. I would imagine, again, I'm not, you know, I don't know a lot of players, but I, I would think from my perspective being, if I was a player and I was a free agent looking at teams to sign with, if Atlanta called me, <laughs> I, I can't even say I'd pick up the phone. You know what I mean? I'm just, just one yeah, of those you don't want that drama. Like it's not worth it to you. They also have to lock in a coach. I know Darius Taylor has been playing as their interim, and I don't know how they feel about him as potential long term. They've got a fucking coach. I mean, there's just so many things that they got to worry about. That again, yeah, it's going for a team that again I thought had a pretty bright future. You know, I, I they made a lot of moves, and I was kind of excited to see how they worked out, despite knowing that something like this could have happened the whole time. But it's just one of those things where the worst happened. And now they've got to deal with that ripple effect. Kind, kind of rebuild from that, yeah. And then as for the fever, the fever just—I I don't know what to make of them. They—they've <laughs> they, been the same they've been the last couple of years, sadly. Yeah, like ever since Tamika Catching retired, essentially they've just been nothing. It's essentially just there. Yeah, like they—they they compete a little bit. They—they're scrappy. Mm-hmm. If you you know, sometimes they can even be fun to watch. I, I'll give them that. They've. Kelsey Mitchell is a bona fide bucket, one of a good scorer who I think in other situations could be an elite, like second option. I do believe that. I think she's a good two-way player, can facilitate a little bit. Tiffany Mitchell has kind of come into her own down the stretch, uh, consistently scoring a little bit. Tara McCowan is still kind of a, a question yeah. mark to me. Which is because- weird. It's been a couple of seasons. Yeah, she was an incredibly dominant defender in college, and it hasn't quite translated to the league. But then, like, her offensive game hasn't quite developed either. She's one of those players who is just, like, big. And she can do some things that, because she's big, she's an incredible rebounder. She does have a good nose for rebounding. Like, rebounding is not just about being big. She, you know, follows the ball and goes, gets it. Yeah. Yeah, like, she does a lot of good things there. But, like, you know, her, her foot her foot speed and footwork could use some help. And if being big is just the skill of the primary one, right. I guess obviously rebounding, then that's not that's not a whole lot. Right. And she's not a good free throw shooter still, which doesn't really help because she gets a lot of fouls. Like there's just a lot. They took her like third overall. And I'm not saying she's a bust yet, but like you, you want to see some improvement from your third overall pick starting soon. And I think they've, they've still seen some improvement this year. She's, you know, kind of hopped in and out of the starting lineup. They've featured her more on some nights than others. And I think one thing is just she's been given a little more consistent effort. Her conditionings look better. You know, like there are improvements, but you want to eventually see some improvements that will impact your winning more from a player of her caliber. Of her, of her peak. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Wow, man, this was Thank you for giving me your time, Bill. This is a deeper dive than even I had imagined I'd be getting from you, um, especially for these teams in the back half. Um, any other like closing thoughts you have on the WNBA so far? Like what you've seen? Uh, the W twenty five list was really cool, but I also think it, it it showed like they didn't really do any marketing for it. I don't know if you noticed that uh, yeah, marketing. Yeah, marketing. it was weird. It wasn't like the the few that, like the few that we saw over the last couple of years for sure. Yeah, the marketing for the W still got a long way to go, but I think that'll open up 
you know, I think they're starting to understand that they partnered with Google, which is huge for like learning trends and fan analysis and things like that. So I think there's a lot to come. I think, you know, this is the year to get on board of the league. If you're looking to get involved, that's what we did with W lead launching it this year. I've seen good success with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that I just wanted like to everyone that listens that maybe isn't familiar with the league or has had, you know, kind of hesitancy or whatever, like now's the time to get on the wave. Cause I think it's about to take off even beyond where you might think it's going to go. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is the chance. I mean, right now I will say one thing I've been impressed by. I mean, you look at the celebration that they have given, I think it could have been a lot bigger for the 25th anniversary um, of the WNBA, but it really is a celebration of just women's basketball in general. And yeah. not just the fact that yes, the WNBA as an institution as a league is one thing, but like the Cheryl Millers, Rebecca Lobos and those who paved the way before who either didn't get a chance to play in the WNBA or barely did, you know, that made an impact, you know, even now, I mean, we, we saw during the hall of fame yesterday, Yolanda Griffith and, um, um, Lauren Jackson get get love in, in the WNBA careers they had, but like really just celebrating it in the same way that we celebrate our NBA legends in the past. In terms of like, yes, like what's new is great, and yes, they're still growing, and yes, they're still relatively young for a league, but they also have a rich history of their own that deserves to have that love. Yeah, and I think the W can still do a better part um, of showing them that love. A lot of people want like throwback merch. Exactly, merch would be cool, and I think. I really think one of the easiest expansion is a topic. And I think one of the easiest solutions to expansion is to bring back some now defunct franchises. Mm-hmm. I know, like, I think the Comets would do exceptionally well if you brought them back. I think the Shock would do really well if you put them back in Detroit. Those two are kind of the two that come to Love mind the for stars, me. But the Aces are fired. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and relocated teams is a little different, but still, I mean, like the Stars, the Sting. Yeah. The monarchs, you know, like there's a lot of history. The monarchs, baby. There's a lot of history that's missing, and it's so hard to find. It mm-hmm. is incredibly difficult to find. I think that's one of the many areas the W could improve is putting their history back out there and, you know, kind of solidifying. I think that would help solidify its place, you know, the league as a whole and its history kind of more solidify. And I don't want to say legitimize because I think it's legitimate, but for the eyes of a more casual consumer. If they come up all, you know, if they're watching a game and the Aces are, the Aces have done an exceptional job of honoring their legends. They honor a legend that played for the Stars. And I'm like, oh, hey, they used to have a team in San Antonio. I go to Google and can't find anything. Anything about them. Yeah. That's the same yeah. thing I want to say with throwback, like you said, throwback merch and like just merch in general. I mean, you can find like a WNBA hoodie, you know, the trademark orange hoodies, but I'm just talking about in general. Like I can get, and I don't even want to say that I want used. I'm just saying in terms of like used NBA stuff from like a Goodwill anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, like this stuff is readily apparent, and it's so hard to find like WNBA stuff outside of just like the specific store and stuff in that type of way. At least in my opinion. Yeah, it's it is incredibly difficult, but it, it's trending in the right direction. They're getting investments, they're getting sponsorships and partnerships, and I, I think that's a good sign going forward. But it, it's and a lot of people compare it to the NBA where the NBA is now. And I don't think that's fair because, again, it's 25 years. So if you want to look at it compared to where the NBA was 25 years in, I think that's more of a fair comparison. But yeah, the early 70s, that wasn't, like, tremendously great basketball. I mean, it was right. good. You know, you right. players. It's very much like it is now. Like, it's not like the breadth of, you know, iconic shots and legends that you would have when the NBA had its 50th anniversary in 1997, you know? Right, yeah. So you just look at – I think people have to change their perspectives on it. And kind of realize like it's still a baby league. It's still very in its infancy, but now it's kind of hitting that point or it's at that 
that moment where it's time to elevate. It's at the forefront. They're doing all these great things and people are engaging with it more. They're seeing it more. But now you have to capitalize on that. And I think that is from top to bottom from folks like you and I discussing it and doing the coverage we do all the way up to the commissioner and the, the brands and the marketing, you know, getting in these these spaces. And I think the league as a whole tends to understand that. But sometimes the execution is not what you want it to be. Yeah, no, 100 percent. I'm with you on that. And yeah, that, that's something to look at. Just uh, something to improve. Yeah. And then one last thing before we go, you asked me for my five favorite players. So I, I, was, about, I was about to close out on this segment and get to that. So I'm glad. You know, it's funny. You the second. I love that. That listen, you guess I have on. I've been throwing this, and they're excited to share it, and I'm happy that they are because I like to like close out and say thank you. It's awkward. I'll be like, thank you for coming on and talking WNBA. Now let's talk about the teams. And I start doing. They go, wait a second. What about these teams? Let's do it, bro. I'm excited to get yours. <laughs> let's yeah. let's get your all vibe squad. Yeah, so my top five favorite players, you asked, it could be mixed, which is cool because I, I do have a little bit of a mixture. I think my favorite player of all time, regardless of the league, and this is only a recent development. It was a 1A, 1B relationship for a while, but now it's a, it's a firm one, too. My favorite player is definitely Neko Gumake from Sparks, by far. She's the one that got me into the W in the first place. And it's funny because a lot of people ask me, like, when did you first start watching her? Well, randomly – one year I was watching the women's tournament. It was like 2010. I was like 14. And I was kind of like in that point where I wanted to venture out from like my father's teams, like who he was watching. And yeah, yeah. I was kind of establishing myself. That's how my one and one and two got established. My three and four are kind of more from that era when I was watching all of him, but my one and two got established at this moment in time, right about the same time. So I turned on the, the uh, tournament, and there's a game. It was Stanford. I don't remember who they were playing, but I remember that her and Shanae combined for 53 points. And I thought that was really cool. They were sisters. They were playing. And I watched the game, and just for whatever reason, like I just kind of resonated with her more than Shanae a little bit. Uh, but that, that's who I resonated with. So I kind of followed her, and then she was number one pick. And I was like, All right, cool. At that point, the W was still kind of hard to access, but she played for L.A., so it was a little easier. They were a little more of a top market with Candace, especially. I already knew who Candace was. Of course. And so I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. So I just followed her to the league, and then I, as I developed watching her, I kind of found other players I liked. And, you know, it's kind of like really got entrenched in the league to where I am now, but, like, she's always been my favorite player since then. And seeing her, like, win Rookie of the Year and then win the finals and an MVP – most efficient MVP in history might have had. Anyway, win the MVP and then become the president of Players Association, make all these great changes. Like, it's just really cool because you see beyond just the player. You know, I first started watching because I liked the way she played, and now you see beyond the player and just how much of an impact she's had on the game as a whole. So that's really cool. My second favorite player is Tony Allen. And that, that's a really random jump and probably not something you expected to hear. But once again, in that same time period, he got traded to the Grizz in uh, 2011, I do believe, was that year. So it was like the year after. And I had seen him with the Celtics. My dad's favorite team was the Celtics when he was younger. And so I watched a lot of Celtics just because he showed me a lot of Bird, McHale, Parrish highlights growing up. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of watched them. I got to see like Ray Allen, KG, Paul Pierce. Rondo, you know, I watched a lot of that. And so 
Tony Allen was drafted by the Celtics, and he played for them, and he was kind of on the bench, but I knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to the Grizz, and I remember they make that, that playoff run, and that's, that was my exposure to them, was them playing the Spurs and beating the Spurs. And then they had, like, Zebo and Mike and Martin. Like, they just had that that forward, the core four. And I was like, man, this is incredible. And I remember watching the game, and back then, and it's funny, back then I watched the game with sound on. I don't watch basketball with sound on at this point in my life. No, back you're then, done with the outside noise, right? Or right. the outside noise from the show, rather. Right. Back then I watched with sound on. I just remember, like, how loud the fans were and how T.A. was, like, the heart of it. I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like, him and Zebo were, like, the heart of it. And you've got the infamous, like, all heart, grit, grind, like, whatever. And so yeah, I just really, yes, that really, you know, was something that stuck with me. And so now that's how I got to be a Grizz fan. But also just T.A. was the guy that brought me there. And so, you know, and he also wore number nine, which is one of my numbers in my life. It's my birth month. So wow. I kind of resonated with that. But my first ever favorite basketball player was Shaq. So he's my third spot. He was my first ever favorite basketball player. I uh, had a pair of his shoes, you know, with the logo and like he was just dominant, just just unstoppable force winning, but also just a great personality. You know, you got to see him in, in movies and, and rapping. And he was just, you know, I remember watching him be like, wow, not only is he great, but he's, you know, funny guy, got a good personality. And he was just everywhere. He's everywhere doing everything. So, you know, he was my he was my third uh, favorite player. I have my fourth one, and obviously this comes from my father, but it's Larry Bird, bad man, bad man. I, I don't like when people say he couldn't play in today's league because he would absolutely terrorize today's league. I mean, three times in a row he won MVP. Last player to do that, if I recall correctly, one of three. That, that just tell you everything. That should just tell you everything right there. Like you won three MVPs in a row. The, 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 yeah, if you can dominate the league that effectively during that stretch and, and a concentrated stretch of NBA talent as well, we would yeah. add. Then, then yeah, there's something to you, bro. Yeah, and he won two titles in that same stretch, if I remember correctly. Finals MVPs as well. I mean, just and and kind of revolutionized the game. Him and Matt, it's interesting. Him and Magic both revolutionized the game in their own way at the same time. You don't often see two players simultaneously revolutionizing the same game in different ways. But they did that. Because you think about players that revolutionized the game, you think about the steps of the world. You may think about the Jordans, Kobe's, LeBron's of the world. But few of those players were doing it at the level at the same time. Yeah, but they, you're right. they were. You know, so I think that's incredible. And then my fifth favorite player, and and like I said earlier, if they bring this team back, I'm probably moving fandoms after NECA's gone. Uh oh. Cynthia Cooper, bad. Player. Yeah, that, yeah. And and the W didn't even get her at her at her best, but no, they got her at the tail end of her career, really. Yeah, and she still and gave you a lot. Exactly, four years, four rings, MVPs, Finals MVPs, scoring leaders. I voted her as my goat. Uh, I. I think in terms of W, best player to ever touch a W ball by far. Mm. Had we had the W, say, five years, even just five years sooner, and she comes in when she's 28, 29, man, it, I, I would have loved to see what could have been. But obviously, you know, we didn't get to see that. But And I also just think it's cool that she knows that 
I've heard her multiple times, seen her multiple times on Twitter and Instagram say, I was the Michael Jordan of the WBA. And I think that's so cool. Like when a player embraces that and knows that. And and she has the back it up. I mean, look at how good she was that late. Like, listen, you can say, yeah, you should say without bad an eye with the confidence she's able to do it. And you see the body work that she's able to show even at an advanced basketball age like she did. And like, there's no argument in my mind. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. I will say one thing. I really wish there was a book written about that Houston Comets team, like that dynasty, man. That was like four years of just success. Yeah, and 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 then even after Cynthia, like Cheryl Swoops won two MVPs and was you know a really good player. Tina Thompson was really good. Like they, yeah, they won the best right there. That was their dynasty, but they were still very talented after that. But other, I would say other teams started to catch up. I actually, it's interesting you say that because I was listening to Knuckleheads podcast. With Lisa Leslie on there, and Lisa Leslie was talking about how when the W first got formed, and she was, you know, allocated to LA, she didn't know what it was really going to be. She thought it was like a summer league or like a kind of like a like a bracket, like March Madness. Like she was talking about, she didn't realize what it was going to be. And so in that first game against the Liberty, she was like, "I wasn't prepared for that." So when I'm out here playing and the Liberty are like locked in and the crowd is here with her. She, she admitted being kind of overwhelmed. And wow. she said, she said she didn't really feel like she was truly into it until like her third or fourth year. Part of the fabric of that, of that week. Yeah. And I mean, she's one of the greatest, you know, she's one of the greats, uh, three-time MVP defensive player of the years champion. Like she's not a slouch by any means, but you know, it's just interesting because the comments, you know, didn't seem to have that. They came out ready. And I think I'm not saying that to take away from them. I'm saying that to boost them. Like they, they came in, we're like, oh yeah, we're going to run this off the jump. And that there's a value to that. There's, there's something to be said about that. There is. I think that, you know what, we can have one just on the history of like what you know about the WNBA because um, that, that was intriguing. That was a very good little tidbit I was not aware of. Yeah, I, like I said, I just listened to it this week. She's been their latest guest, and it kind of gave me an insight on her career. She was always one of my favorites, too. And I had her, I think, sixth in my uh, GOAT rankings, right behind Maya Moore. Wow. So it, was, it, was, it was fun to do the W25, the, the list. And I think ours came out pretty well compared to some other people that we saw. You know what I'm gonna say? Maybe we should talk this through in a future episode. I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at yours and get I didn't get a chance. I was looking at some of your working anticipation of this, but like digging deeper into that and then maybe kind of talking through some of these. Yeah, I'm I'm always down to always come down and talk W, man. It's I, I'm more passionate about it than I am the NBA. I mean, it mm-hmm. is what it is. And so when I first started writing in like March of 18. Yeah. I was doing it for a little startup site to help a guy with a senior project. It was, I didn't think it would become what it was, but when I did that, I, I wrote about March madness, men's and women's. And I started, I did a mock draft for the W. Uh, wow. And you know, that was something I really wanted. And I also uh, wrote about the Grizz a little bit, but then, you know, I transitioned to fan sided with the Grizz and I ended up at the lead. And one of the first things I asked Eric at the lead was like, yo, what are your plans for the W? Like, that was one of the first things I ever asked him. I was like, I love Grizz. I'll write about them, and I would love to have a branch for them and build on that. But, like, I, I want really to like Aside from that, yeah, you want to, yeah. And then, so, dude, that is something. 
Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, talk about WB, they can kind of feel that they can see that. And it just, I mean, it just is what it is. I don't, I don't, I don't know why it is. It's just always been something that's really, you know, kind of spoke to me. I've always just really liked the league and the players and it's just, it's just different vibes. It's a different, yeah. It's like basketball the way we love it, no one love, but it's just different. Yeah. I, I, like I said, it's just always been something that I've been very, very passionate about and, and really enjoying every moment of being able to, to cover it. Well, I will say this, man, your passion shines through like your love of the WNBA, just as a, I mean, friend, but definitely uh, just a fellow follower on Twitter. Like there's something about it that is, is contagious in like your passion for this league, you know? And that's why I was really happy to have you on about this and would love to have you on again and just, you know, make the most of just our own friendship, but also just your expertise in this league and like, continue to talk about these moments and these players that are just really so dope. Yeah. I, I appreciate that compliment first off. And I feel the same way about you and yours. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Wow. That means a lot. Honestly, I, I love, I love it, man. Like I, I need to get more. My goal is obviously get more. Like I keep saying next season, like I'm gonna be a lot more uh, uh, like in depth on it just because it's hard to try to focus as much on one as the other, like one is left out. And I'm like, honestly, the sad thing is like, no, if I, you know, I will love basketball, like NBA, WNBA, like it's, I'm, I'm, I'm just a fan of it. And I think that being able to really get appreciation for one that you're not usually aware of is super cool. You know, Um, being able to appreciate a league that is just as good, just as historic and maybe under the radar, but has some passion through like yourself and others who are dedicated growing it out and, and, you know, just, it, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. And I, like I said, I'm excited to be able to continue to have this conversation with you in the future. Yeah, man. Anytime. Um, and like I said, maybe even if you're willing, I'm not going to, you know, invite anyone on your show, but Corey, I would love to have Corey join us. And hey, have the three of us talk. It's done. You said it. Let's do it. I, I'm totally game for that one. Sounds like a plan to me, but yeah, this has been a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I see you shining and grinding. So I'm happy to, see that and you moving on through hoop ball and summer league and getting shout outs from Dave before on Twitter. Oh man, listen, <laughs> appreciate it, man. That was, that was a, summer league was a crazy experience. We're going to get you down the next year. Hey, look, I, I'm, I'm always down for some good ball and good conversation. Exactly. Get down there. Maybe catch some of that in, in the Aces game. There was one I really wanted to go to that was happening that week, but the timing just didn't work out for me. Yeah. But 100%, yeah, let's do that, man. Real quick, let me tell um, everyone, you know where to follow Bailey on Twitter at Sir underscore Richmond 20. I got that right? Yeah, that's me. There we go. Check out all of his work, WNBA, Grizzlies, The Lead, Lead Sports Media. Check them out as well, at The Lead SL. Uh, These guys are, listen, not only the good friends of mine, they also know their hoops. A lot going on. Definitely make sure to get on that. Um, As for myself, find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Check out HoopBall on Twitter at HoopBallTweets, online, hoop-ball.com. For my bro Bailey, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I will talk to y'all real, real soon.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.